Greetings, everyone. My name is Ian Howard. I am the student ministry director here at Restore Church. Uh, we are, depending on when you're watching this, starting or continuing our series through the book of Acts. Uh, we are uh, in Acts chapter 3, uh, when we are kicking off a little mini-series within a series, uh, talking about Peter's redemption and the redemption of Peter and the steps that he takes in the book of Acts uh, to kind of rewrite himself and write his ship spiritually um, after his journey through the Gospels. And so, uh, like I said, today we're going to dive right into it. Acts chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 11. I'll re go ahead and read those out right now, and uh, we'll get right into it. One day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John were on their way into the temple for prayer meeting. At that same time, there was a crippled man from birth being carried up. Every day he was set down at the temple gate, the one named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout. Peter, with John at his side, looked at him straight in the eye and said, Look here. He looked up, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He grabbed him by the right hand and pulled him up. In an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and walked. The man went into the temple with them, walking back and forth, dancing and praising God. Everybody saw him walking around and praising God. They recognized him as the one who sat begging at the temple's gate, beautiful, and rubbed their eyes, astonished, scarcely believing what they were seeing. The man threw his arms around Peter and John, ecstatic. All the people ran up to where they were at Solomon's porch to see it for themselves. Again, that was Acts 3, verses 1 through 11, and that was the message version. So at this point, Peter has delivered his first sermon, and the early church has been established. The message says, And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled all their resources so that each person's need was met. I believe Aaron spoke on this a few weeks back, and this is where we find the church at the end of chapter 2. Chapter 3 begins with two of the original 12 apostles, Peter and John, on their way to the temple for prayer meeting. Scripture even tells us it was three in the afternoon. They were probably hitting that mid-afternoon lull. Like, this is what I like to think of it as. They were hitting that mid-afternoon lull, needed a little pick-me-up, swung by the local coffee spot, on their way down to temple for prayer meeting. They were like, you know, we can either stay here in the house, take a nap, or we can get some coffee and go down for prayer meeting. Okay, let's do this. Um, that's how I like to see it playing out in my head, but I'm, I have no factual evidence to back that up. According to Luke, the author of Acts, at the same time, a crippled man from birth was carried by his friends and set right outside the temple gate. And aside about the temple, the temple is the place where God's presence dwelt, specifically in the Holy of Holies. In order to enter the Holy of Holies or even any part of the temple, one must be pure, free of disease, illness, or sin. This man being crippled was considered unclean, even though there was nothing he could do about his condition. This essentially meant that he was destined to sit outside the gate of the temple, outside the presence of God, crippled and poor, begging from those who were clean. In other words, he had no hope. There was nothing he could do. We can see and know how Peter feels about this exact situation. If we rewind and look back at John 9, 1 through 11, we know and we can read Peter's perspective on this. 
John 9, 1 through 11 says, Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. Sound familiar? We're encountering lame and crippled people. And Peter is having a mirror situation of what just happened to him back in John. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, causing him to be blind? Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the workday is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. He said this and then spit in the dust, made a clay paste with the saliva, rubbed the paste on the man's eyes, and said, go wash at the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sin. The man went and washed and saw. Soon the town was buzzing. His relatives and those who year after year had seen him as a blind man begging were I'm sorry, seen him as a blind man begging were saying, what? Isn't this the man we knew who sat here and begged every day? Others said, it's him all right. But others objected, if it's not, it's not the same guy at all. It just looks like him. It's his doppelganger. I added the doppelganger part. He said, it's me, the very one. They said, how did your eyes get open? A man named Jesus made paste and rubbed it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. I did what he said. And when I washed, I saw. Peter attributes this man's disability, his blindness, to sin. He is impure, unclean because of his parents' sin or his own sin. Jesus stops them and takes time to correct their vision. Jesus does this to us a lot. He challenges us to see things differently than how we were taught to see. Jesus gently teaches them that they're asking the wrong question. As the message puts it, they're looking to blame and for cause, as we humans often do. They were not looking for what God could do in that situation or in that space. The story goes on to tell how Jesus spits in the dirt, makes mud, puts mud on the man's eyes, and tells him to wash it off. Another side note, back in first century Jewish culture, and even before that, when something unclean or impure would come in contact with something clean or pure, it would transfer its uncleanliness or its impurity to that clean object. We find that our Jesus is the exception. His holiness and his purity transfers to the unclean, wiping away the sin and the impurity of the willing. Fast forward back to Acts and we read that first, Peter and John lock eyes with this crippled man. Peter had to be having flashbacks, like Christopher Nolan style flashbacks, where you know, you're going back and forth and you don't really know what's the present and what's the flashback. Peter was probably there because these situations were so similar. We see Peter here with a second chance, a chance to show that he truly learned from the master, a chance to show growth and leadership outside the direct ministry and supervision of Jesus. Peter doesn't ask questions. What did you do to bring this on yourself? What was your sin? Was it your parents' sin? He doesn't put qualifications on the crippled man. He sees him with different eyes. He knows that he is worthy because he's a child of God. He knows that he belongs. In fact, the scriptures say that Peter and John gazed at the man. It wasn't an accidental eye contact. Uh, oh, whoops, I accidentally locked eyes with this guy, you know, or avoidance or looking at him for three seconds and then looking away. The message says 
quote, when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout. Peter, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, look here, looked up, expecting to see something from them or get something from them. First thing is, uh, first thing that pops to me is look them, he looks them straight in the eye or he looks him straight in the eye. You know that feeling when someone is making eye contact with you? It affirms you. It dignifies you. It gives you worth. It makes you feel your worth. That is what Peter and John did to this crippled man. They reminded him of his worth, that he too is an image bearer of God. It's also pretty clear that the crippled man is expecting money. He's expecting economic relief. He's expecting something of this world. Something that will give him worth and value and a seat at the table. What he's looking for is the ever-constant reminder of the imbalance in our world between the haves and the have-nots. The man got more than he bargained for. When Peter and John and the man locked eyes, he assumed he was set up for another monetary gift. This man didn't know that the two men he had locked eyes with were using different eyes. With the eyes of Jesus, the poor and the needy will not be overlooked. People will be seen fully and clearly and strongly. And that's from Willie James Jennings' commentary on the book of Acts. Peter tells him, I don't have any money to give you. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So but you notice in the previous story, Jesus obviously makes mud and then puts it in the man's eyes. It's weird. It's a thing. We don't do that anymore. At least I hope not. But maybe we do. I don't know. Rubbing dirt and mud in people's eyes to heal. Jesus touches him and his holiness, his purity transfers to the, to the, to the blind man. Here, the rest of the verse, Peter grabs him by the hand, by the right hand, pulls him up. And in an instant, his ankles and feet became firm. The power of Jesus, the purity of Jesus flows from Peter into this man, making him pure and taking away his sin, his guilt, his impurity, all of it. He jumped to his feet and walked. When we are touched by Jesus or touched for Jesus, lives are changed, is the truth. The very next line, the man went into the temple with them. He was made clean, made pure by the power of Jesus through a vessel, Peter. The same Peter who denied Jesus three times. The same Peter whom Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. The same Peter who attributed impurity, uncleanliness to sins, deeds, actions, disabilities, instead of seeing with Jesus's eyes a space for restoration and redemption. This same Peter was used to usher in the church's post-Pentecostal ministry. The same Peter was used to continue the spread of God's forgiveness, compassion, and love. Everyone in the temple and in the surrounding area couldn't believe their eyes. In shock disbelief, they could hardly comprehend what had actually happened. The man who was crippled, unclean, destined to sit outside the place of the presence of God for the rest of his life, was seen by two disciples and was made pure through their encounter. Not by conversion, not by debating, not by well-thought-out and logically argued case made by Peter, but by seeing with a different kind of eyes. Peter introduced this man to Jesus of Nazareth, who, upon introduction, flips everybody's world upside down, bringing love and compassion forgiveness, healing, and belonging. So a few questions to leave you with today. Who or what is something that you see every day outside your gate, outside 
your place of work, outside, the places that you frequent, what is something that is a part of your regular day that you encounter that you can bring Jesus Jesus's restorative and healing power to? Number two, what eyes or lens are you viewing using to view the world? Do you ask questions to get the why? Why are you sinning? What's your motivation? You know, what kind of questions are you asking? Or do you see your life and the lives of others as a space for God to work and redeem? And lastly, when was the last time you touched someone and prayed over them? Now, I know it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Also, coronavirus. Like, not saying run out the door and touch a stranger. You know, bad things could happen to you and to them in a pandemic. But what I'm advocating for is we ask ourselves why we don't see miracles and why we don't see healings anymore. Maybe it's because we're not stepping out and laying hands on someone and praying for their needs. One quote that really stuck with me from this Willie James Jennings commentary that I really want to leave you with is, is this. Disciples are watched, especially by those in need. Disciples must be seen, especially by those in need. So blessing I want to leave you with today is may you, the disciples of Jesus, be seen today. May you, the disciples of Jesus, see with his eyes to bring redemption wherever you go. Grace and peace to each of you. God bless.